Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I had major foot surgery over 10 years ago and lost feeling in two of my toes. That was until a friendly brown recluse bit my foot right where my nerve endings were cut off. I woke up this morning and could immediately feel my toes. So says a Reddit user. Now look, like anything that you read on the internet, particularly Reddit, you have to approach this claim with a little bit of skepticism. Perhaps total skepticism. In part because the person apparently claims to be from Oregon, where brown recluses are not native. Black widows, yes. Not brown recluses. But putting that aside, the question is, could it be true that a spider bite could restore nerve damage? And according to Glenn King, a professor and venom expert at the University of Queensland, Australia, who told Newsweek, basically, yeah, spider venoms are complex cocktails that contain hundreds to thousands of compounds that primarily activate or inhibit the activity of neuronal ion channels. Now, don't get lost in the terminology here. But the ion channels have to do with the way chemicals flow into and out of the cells and therefore the ability to regulate, affect, or change those channels can be one of the ways that venoms affect cells or that the chemicals within venoms could affect cells. Think of them like gates or openings in the perimeter fence of the cell structure. Now to the particular claim of the brown recluse, the answer is basically uncertain. Could be, not likely, but could be. There are over 200,000 venomous animal species known to science, spiders, snakes, bees, jellyfish, and most of them have not yet shown to have any particular medicinal or therapeutic value. But there are all sorts of drugs available on the market right now that were derived from animal venoms. Because with so many different chemicals in the venoms, the chemical cocktail may well have ingredients that can be used to serve positive functions, even though as a whole, taken within the animal that uses them, it's for something negative, like immobilizing its opponent. But think about that, for example. If you have a venom that immobilizes your prey, the particular chemical compound that does that could be used in humans to, for example, anesthetize a wound site, or even immobilize some feature of the body that would be useful while you're doing surgery. There are already six known drugs derived from animal venoms, including the blockbuster antihypertensive drug Captopril and the anti-diabetic drug Exenatide. Captopril comes from the venom of a deadly Brazilian viper. And now the October issue of the British Journal of Pharmacology shows that there's a compound within the venom of the Australian southern sand octopus that may have drug-resistant benefits in patients with BRAF-mutated melanoma, one of the most serious forms of skin cancer. But just think in general principles here, right? A chemical compound that attacks nerve cells, for example, might offer pain relief benefit, muscle relaxation benefit, or any other kind of neurological benefit. Venom that makes the blood leave the body of the victim, causing it to die so that, for example, a snake can eat it, might have anti-clotting benefit that could be used for heart disease. And proteins that dissolve tissue, well, I mean, you could use that for almost anything. And here's where you start to see some of the myriad organisms that have been studied in order to see whether their stuff might have benefits. You have antibiotics that come from frog skin, which the FDA now says is good enough that they want another study on it. 
There's a drug approved in 2005 named Bietta, which is derived from a hormone named Exendin-4 found in the Gila monster that is used to help treat type 2 diabetes and maintain healthy glucose levels because it helps the Gila monster wake up from its hibernation. Rattlesnake venom has been used to develop the drug called Eptifibotide, which is an antiplatelet drug, binds to platelets for a short time, prevents them from sticking together, and so this prevents blood clots, which is a really useful thing for people dealing with strokes and heart attacks. So the takeaway from all these different examples is that the venom of animals has potentially all sorts of uses if we can just figure out which ones have those uses. In addition, one of the benefits that venoms have over synthesized material is that they're really well tailored. They contain loads of peptides. And if you don't know the term, a peptide is like a protein, but smaller. It's made up of amino acids and it's designed by the body to do a very specific thing. So the advantage of peptide-based drug therapies is that they tend to be very specific specific and therefore they don't have the kind of side effects that other things have because they only do the one thing. For example, the painkiller Zaconitide, based on an animal venom, has a big advantage over traditional opiates because it shows no evidence of leading to withdrawal symptoms. And the kind of research that you're seeing done now doesn't even have to study the particular venoms the way you used to do. You would put it up against things and see what it does. They're now classifying them within DNA databases so you can basically ask the database, hey, I need something that inhibits nerve function. And it'll give you all of the different peptides within all of the different venoms that have been sampled. And then you can go to those and start querying the database for other more specific actions, comparing the shape of one peptide with another and then figuring out what's going to really be the best of further experiment on to see if you can come up with something useful. So we really are kind of on the brink of numerous potential breakthroughs because of the availability of the DNA database and the modern ability to synthetically duplicate molecules once we discover their structure. But this comes up against a different problem, which is the increasing loss of biodiversity in the world as thousands of species go extinct every year that we've never even encountered we're losing the DNA database that might provide the solutions to some of our most vexing medical problems. But at least the ones that are around, we're finding all kinds of uses for them. I'm Andrew Tallman. Thanks for listening to The Daily Break, brought to you by Newsweek.